When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Kim France and Jen Romolini, and we should say it's a podcast for women over 40. Yes, it is a podcast for women over 40. <laughs> See, I can't I can't go off script. I just can't. You can. It's great. It makes it it makes it more lively and unexpected. That's true. That's true. Well, today we have a conversation with me and Jen, just the two of us, and I'm excited to report that Jen has some pretty big news. I do, Kim. I have sold my second book. Yay! Yes, I have sold my second book. Um, It's tentatively titled Ambition Monster, and it's about the connection between ambition and trauma, and also a bunch of other stuff about how work is bullshit. I wanted to talk about this today because I, I feel like we often see these announcements and you know, we see people, you know, getting projects or getting deals and we, we don't know the backstory. So we, we do a lot of like projecting onto, you know, oh my God, how does that person do this? How did that, you know, happen, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I want to say like, this was the hardest thing I've ever done professionally was getting, pushing this book up a hill. Um, My first book came out in 2017. It did okay, but it wasn't a bestseller. My agent at the time moved from a small agency to like a big, big agency, and he became a very fancy person. And when I went to him about a second book, he said to me, you know, I just don't see it. Oh, bomber. I met with another agent who met with me in Beverly Hills at like a vegan Mexican restaurant, you know, was wearing like a, you know, I don't know, $2,000 suit and laughed at me. When I brought up the idea for this book. Oh my God. Also asked me in the course of that conversation if I'd had work done. <laughs> uh, 
brought in, but it was the most humiliating night of my life. If I'm going to be honest, it was among the most humiliating nights of my life. Like, oh my God, it was like a year, two years ago, I was starting to feel like older already. I guess I was, you know, 46 and I was really starting to feel older. It was like a 90 degree day and I wore a turtleneck. (laughs) 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 And And the whole night was just, it was this one like, you know, slick agent. And then he invited like another guy and the other guy, I don't know why they were both there, but the other guy was like, oh my God, you're so fabulous. You know what? You should be the next Rebecca Traster. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I'm not not Rebecca. I just have this little book I want to write. You know, I mean, I can think of many words to describe Rebecca Traster and her work. Fabulous isn't the one that comes to mind. (laughs) No, no. Then they were like, you know what you need? You just need a New York Times magazine cover story. And then, then we could sell a book. And I was like, okay, you know, I, that's not, anyway, I then did a book. I finally found an agent who is amazing and wonderful and is a woman. And I wrote a book proposal. It took me like, I finally had reached the courage to reach out to this, this female agent. And she took me on and it took me like two years, a year and a half to write a book proposal after that. And that book proposal was rejected by 30 editors. Jeez. Okay. Jeez. And, and, and my agent at this time could have been like, you know what, this isn't, this is just not going to, but she was like, no, I know you have a second book. Let's rework this book proposal. I know you're supposed to write a second book. And so I reworked that second, that first, that book proposal, 14 revisions back and forth with my agent. And then it sold in a week. It sold in a week. And even though we won't say the amount, I'm going to say for a pretty nice amount of money. Yeah, it's true. And it sold to an amazing editor who I really love. Her name is Kate Napolitano. I'm just going to say it. She's an Italian woman from Philadelphia. I mean, not from Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia, from Jersey, almost the same. And it was like kismet. And it was, it felt really meant to be. And it was, but anyway, it was really a four or five year process, the whole fucking thing. And it was so many twists and turns. And I really feel like, and part of it was because I was older and I, you know, part of it was because I hadn't built a huge platform for myself because I don't know how to self promote. And there were all kinds of things going against me. And I think that what I learned from this is it's still the same as it always was. Finding finding what you want is is still requires the same thing, which is persistence. Yeah. And I think that I knew I really wanted to do this. And I endured those humiliations. And there were even more agents I met with. And like there was, you know, and I endured it because I knew what I wanted. So I finally got there. But let me tell you, it was not without like a lot of self-doubt. And a lot of, oh my God, I'm such a loser and this is never going to happen. Now you have to fucking write a book. Now the real work starts, but it's a really good story. And it kind of reminds me, I'm just going to say it, of my dating life. Oh. Because, Because I too was very, very persistent about dating. I just kept like getting up, wiping myself off every time I had a disappointment, every time I had a crap date and trying again in a way that I don't think I have been able to do at other points in my life. And 
I wonder if there's something about the persistence we bring to things at this age. I don't want to get too much into the secret or be too hippy dippy because I don't, I don't, I don't know that that stuff works. And I think that, you know, we can put a lot of energy into like false prophets, et cetera. But I, I do feel like there is something about being intentional Mm -hmm. about our lives, like really understanding what it is we really, really want. And I know, I know that for you, it really was. I mean, we had a lot of conversations about this. Like it really was, I really want to be in a relationship. I really, that's what I really want. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case for everybody. You know, like I have friends in their forties and fifties who are like, I just, I just love being single. I would never want a man in my house, you know, or a woman or anybody. Yep. And for me, it really, really was. I knew while I was writing my first book, I knew I wanted, I had an idea for this book while I was writing my first book and I knew I wanted to write it. And it just took me so long. And a lot of it was about confidence too. Mm -hmm. My confidence was really down. I really felt like a failure and it really just took a minute to get myself back in touch with my value and also to believe that I could do it again. And by the time I think I had gotten knocked down enough on this one, that by the time I finally came up with that last proposal, I was like, fuck it. I'm putting it all out there. Whatever happens, happens. I've done my best. Yep. 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 You know, and the other, there's also, you know, I remember like my, my stepfather saying when he was selling an apartments and he wasn't having much success and he was like, listen, it only takes one. It's like, all it took was that one editor You know, so all the editors who rejected it don't matter because you have somebody who shares your vision. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, but you know what? It's hard. It's hard. I mean, we're also talking about rejection here. We're we're really talking about, we're really talking about just moving on from rejection and not attaching to rejection. Which which is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and parallels, the dating parallel, because, you know, I'm pitching, I'm, I was pitching a memoir. So it was like, they obviously don't want me, you know, like, right. It's personal. Yeah, it's personal. I mean, every time I went out on a date with somebody who never texted me again, that's personal. You know, it's on another level, it's not personal because it's, I mean, it's highly personal, but it's also like, this person just, they, they had their settings set to something else. Like what they were looking for is something else. And I don't want to be with somebody who's got their settings set differently than mine. You know? No. And I feel that way professionally too. And I also, I'll say this, I have now surrounded myself in work in all of the projects I have. I really, at this point, only work with women. That was not necessarily by design, but it's, it's what wound up happening. Mm-hmm. All of the people I work with are a little bit older and all of my business transactions at this point, for the most part, and this was an intention, I really could not manage working with assholes anymore, or people who made me feel unsafe. And so all the majority of the people that I work with are really communicative and honest in very thoughtful and responsible ways. And, you know, my agent was so deft the way she maneuvered. I, 
I could not believe watching her mastery, how she maneuvered this book into the world. Mm -hmm. And I also admire everyone I work with. So it's like, that is a huge amount of growth in just the past, like four years, you know? So what do you do? You know, you and I are people who are in a position to work only with non-assholes. Right. What do you do if that's not your, that's not your story? What do you do if, if, if you've got assholes who make you feel unsafe at the office every day? I think that that is actually, I think we do have choice. And I think that the problem is, is believing that we don't. I'm not right. saying you're going to get from asshole life to non-asshole life in a day. But I do believe, I believe this for myself, for everyone, that you can, you can make that happen, that transition happen. And it does involve making different kinds of decisions. And it involves having a zero tolerance policy for that kind of behavior in your life. Like I, I dumped that agent, even though he wasn't necessarily dumping me, I dumped him because, and it, you know, and it was like a whole thing, but I dumped him. I was like, no, I can't be treated like this anymore. This, I just can't do it. Well, you know, the people, the people, I will say this about agents, the people who need nurturers always go for sharks and the, sh the people who need sharks always go for nurturers. And I, I have only had female agents you know, the, the relationship between like a writer or artist and their agent is so weird because you, you know, you want to feel like they accept you and they're going to return your calls and they right. believe in you. And the sharks don't, you know, the sharks don't do that. Right. Well, I, you know, the, here's the thing. I think the, back to that question, I think that it, I took an inventory in the last like three or four years, I would say 2018 really was when, you know, when I got fired and when I really started this like path of like, what the fuck's happening here? You know, mm -hmm. I'll say that one thing I stopped was I stopped my masochism. I stopped connecting like my work with, like, I had to be abused for it to be success. You know, I don't, yep. it doesn't work. doesn't have to hurt. And I didn't understand that, you know, it didn't, it, it, because it, it always had hurt in some way. It always, I always overworked. I always looked for the hardest job, you know, and I had to make a lot of sacrifices in order to make the mm -hmm. transition, it, particularly financial. Yep. But to me, it's, it was worth it. And, you know, this isn't the end, but the story has somewhat of a happy ending at this point. You know, I did ultimately get the thing I wanted. I'm going to get paid to be a writer for, you know, the next year. So that's a, that's something I really couldn't have conceived of. So it happened. I'm happy. I'm happy too. Yeah. I'm happy for you too. Um, the other thing I've been thinking about a lot is death. <laughs> 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 no, I know that I know it's very important to, to, to meditate on death. When my mom came on the show, she talked about um, uh, how she was interested in doing that. There's a there's a group at the Ethical Culture Society that that meditates on death and you're supposed to do it every day. And I know it's supposed to be very good. It's supposed to be very good. But now I've had two and I'm waiting for the third, but I've had two. I've had two situations. So Beth Pickens, who we interviewed last week, she was talking about death acceptance and her death acceptance practice. 
But then I was listening to a podcast over the weekend. I was listening to Design Matters, which I, I dip in and out of the Debbie, the Debbie Millman, uh, Debbie pod- Millman yeah. yeah, which I really I love, and I dip in and out of it. But anyway, I was listening to the uh, Marina um, Abramovic, Abramovic, Abramovic. Oh, I don't know. Okay, but I know who you mean, and it's okay. so funny you should bring her up because I was just thinking about her yesterday. That's really okay. That's funny. Wait, what were you thinking about her? I was thinking about the thing where she had people come sit across from her and stared at them. Well, she talks about this in this episode of Design Matters. And she's, okay, she's so amazing in this episode. Like everybody should listen to this, or at least I needed to listen to this. But she talks about that that exhibit and what that was about for her and all of all sorts of things about it. Like how she, she just sat there all day. Like she couldn't drink water. She couldn't pee. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't do anything. Like she just had to sit there all mm-hmm. day. And that was really interesting, but also what that connection was like and staring into people's eyes and like how much pain she saw and how actually like what that takes out of you, just wordlessly staring at strangers and seeing their pain. So that was all really interesting, but she talks about death in this podcast. And she talks about how Americans like, how it's a fucking joke, how we actually like feel like it's never going to happen. We're death deniers. Right. She talks about how for her own death, she wants there to be a massive celebration, but this other really cool thing that she's going to have three caskets in the three different cities where she's lived the most in her life. I forget what they are, but it's like New York, some, some two other like European cities and nobody's ever going to know which one she's buried in. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, I love it. I I love that like her final act is going to be an art project. Yep. I also loved when Elizabeth Taylor, because people Elizabeth Taylor ran late her entire life. Yeah. And her friend her friends used to joke that she would be late to her own funeral. So she arranged to be late to her own funeral. Amazing. Amazing. Perfect and amazing. Elizabeth Taylor, if you ever read a biography of Elizabeth Taylor. That woman almost died so many times. I know. <laughs> it was, I mean, I can't believe, I, I can't believe how long she lived. Like it was like brain tumors and like partial tracheotomies. Pro- yes. <laughs> she was a tank. Like, oh my <laughs> God. Oh my God. And all the booze and the smoking and just like, uh, I think about women like that. Cause I think about, cause I also, I went through a time where I read like all like, you know, old Hollywood biographies and like Ava Gardner's is like incredible. Like her whole story sure. is incredible. And, but there is a certain point where you have to stop just getting like, you know, fall down drunk and dancing with like cabana boys, you know, <laughs> like Ava yes. Gardner did that into her fifties. And I think really her health suffered for it later on, because I think that she didn't realize like, oh, it's, it's closing time, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Right. In a meaningful way. Yeah, it's, it is. And it's so, it's so sad. There's a grieving that I think happens around this age where you're like, oh, I physically can't, I physically can no longer handle this kind of fun. Like I need to, I need to, it needs to be something else now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I am feeling that very acutely right now in my own life. Like I, I cannot handle living the way I've been living recently. Right. It's just too much. Right. Well, we need, we need our, our routines. <laughs> like it's, yes. It's embarrassing. I remember my friend Lori, she's a couple years older than me. And 
I remember when I was just starting to get into perimenopause, we, we sat down. I mean, it was a series of conversations because I was really in denial about what was happening. Like mm-hmm. I was still wanting to smoke and drink and be normal and just like be the person that I'd been, you know? And I remember her saying like, this is going to require a lot of boring lifestyle changes. Like that's the only way to get through this. And I was like, you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so true. I'm so much happier in my like super boring, like self-care schedule. I'm so, I'm so much happier and just sort of, I'm happier accepting what my body wants from me than I was fighting it. Yep. But wait, so what have you, have you been going out a lot? Like you're not going dancing. I'm not going dancing. I'm just like, it's like, you know, Jen, it's just, it's a lot of making out. It's a lot of staring at each other and telling each other how much we like each other. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fucking and it's a lot of eating, a lot of eating. The dog, the dog has never taken such short walks. And also like my apartment is a disaster. It's just, a, it's, it's a, it, I mean, I like to keep things fairly neat. It's just a disaster. I, I mean, I, I am, I feel like I am, I am, I'm really burning the candle at both ends. Oh God. And eating like indulgent eating. <laughs> um, a little bit. There was some Chipotle on Saturday. <laughs> That's not so bad. <laughs> we took a little road trip and there was some Chipotle on Saturday, which is not terrible, but you know. Right. A lot of sodium. <laughs> There was a there was a milkshake. Oh Jesus Christ! I would be <laughs> I would be on the ground. <laughs> I didn't finish it. I just had about you know a third of it, but it was like okay, Kim, you <laughs> right. know, it's, you can keep pretending or you can start acting like an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I I I still feel really like a zombie from yeah. like these these last few weeks. It's been it's been really crazy, and you know I I um. Ugh, forget it. You can, you Sorry. Can, it's okay. It's okay. And now a word from our sponsors. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. 
But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hia Sera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Uh, okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Okay, so wait, so what else should we talk about? Okay, let's talk about um, spring. Oh, let's, let's talk, talk about, about spring. Because it's spring here in New York. And it's kind of amazing to watch, you know, people like out and around. But it's just, just this weird time where it's like we're not at all post-COVID. But things are beginning to open up. You know, things are beginning to happen. And like... People, I, I, I've seen more people around the neighborhood kind of dress nicely, which is really cool. You know, just people kind of getting excited again, which I find really inspiring. And it feels like we're going to move on from this. And I haven't felt that way since it started, you know? I know. I know. It does feel that way here, too, even though, you know, this is LA is like the afterlife. It's like a weird, like, you know, no seasons, whatever. <laughs> but I was really noticing yesterday because I live in, Silver Lake, which is somewhat like a, I don't know what you would call it equivalent of New York. It's like the Brooklyn of, it's Brooklyn of LA. It's the Soho of LA. I don't know, but it's, it's like, it's a little more hipster or at least that's, I mean, maybe it's not as much yeah. now, but it, it was, it's like the hipster part of LA. It is like the hipster part of LA, but it also is on the weekends, very much the bridge and tunnel crowd of LA. Like, it's like very much like people come to this neighborhood. So I was walking around yesterday. I took my kid to the comic book store and I was like, oh my God that same thing of people dressing up. I was like, oh my God, all these people really dressed up to walk this part of sunset. Mm -hmm. And so, and that felt like a real change. Like it was like people like dressed like in cool outfits. It wasn't like, you know, prom gowns, but like, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you really thought this look like from head to toe, like, and you know, more people eating outside and being in restaurants. It, it is different, but it, it also feels to me a little bit like, because it's not over. It feels a little bit like purgatory. You know, it's like, yep. it's like, well, how much, what, what can we, is, is the vac vaccine really going to work? I got my second shot yesterday. Yay. Yeah. I mean, not yesterday. Two were, you days ago. So, were you so happy? I was um, 
really anxious about getting it. And I had, I was anxious that I was going to get really sick. Right. Did you? No, no. I have no idea if this is why I didn't, but I'd read that if you took like vitamin D and zinc and drank a lot of water in the days leading up to your vaccination, you wouldn't have any, you, you know, you'd have a better chance of not having symptoms. I have no idea if that's true, but I did it. I have to say, even not getting super sick from it, I felt really something I don't often feel in my body, but I was like, oh, I feel really strong. Like, I feel like, okay, yeah. sure. You gave me the vaccination and I didn't get sick. It's fine. You know, like I felt powerful. And I also was like, I also, yeah, I'm psyched, man. Two weeks I get to go out. But again, I'm a little bit like, I'm already trying to coordinate a babysitter and plans with friends and like the noisiness of having a life, you know? I'm telling you, there were things about this past year that worked for me just fine. Same, same. You know, even even being all alone, you know, there were things about it that that worked really well for me. And, you know, I've said this before on this show, and I think some of it is that they found early on in COVID that people who suffer, who have suffered from depression, as I have, actually were handling the isolation much better than people who hadn't suffered from depression. That's so interesting. I, I found for me, I mean, it was in some way, like we've talked about this, like I now know the people I really want to see and the people I Mm -hmm. never need to see again, you know? Absolutely. So I like, I have a real desperate need to hug my people. Like I I keep saying I'm coming to New York for a hug my friends tour as soon as I can. (laughs) Um, Because I really, I, I want desperately to see, to see my humans. But at the same time, I really have been thinking a lot about what I won't waste my time on anymore. And that is just like those ancillary, sometimes toxic, sometimes not obligatory relationships that, you know, I don't know that I have room for anymore. Or like the old friendships where like the seal broke and the content fell out. And you don't have anything to say to each other anymore. Like that's always so painful because for every friend you have who you can pick up with, you know, at any point, there's another friend who things kind of like lose the thread with. I had one of those. I had one of those. It was so painful because it had been a friend that I'd had for like 30 years. And the person was really attached to the friendship. But every time we saw each other, there was just nothing. There was, there was no longer any commonality. We were really living our lives in very different ways. And I kept trying to revive it to, to push in and have a more intimate connection emotionally with this person. And I couldn't make it happen. But in the meantime, I was getting a lot of guilt. Do you know those like guilt friends that are like, well, why haven't you called me? Are you mad at me? What's going on? Why I tried Uh to call you three times. What? So the, just the pacing was just so off. And I, I had to end the friendship and I really wished that I didn't because I also wish that it had just been able to fade away. You know, we have to do, we have to do a friendship episode. Yes. Romelini. Yes, we really do. Because I have so many thoughts on this. And I, you know, I think one of those thoughts is that it's never a good idea to end a friendship. 
No, I know. I know it's never it's a good It's never. And you know, people tell you they're like, cut people out of your life. If somebody feels toxic, cut them out. The one time somebody felt toxic to me and I cut her out of my life, I lived to regret it in spades. Just in spades. I mean, look, there are toxic people that you have to end a friendship with. But the, the better, the, the, the problem is, is that when you have a person who is, when one of you wants the friendship way more than the other, and there's when boundaries start getting crossed. I mean, I, I wish that I, I, you know, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm creating like a, I'm creating a bullshit tent to live inside of right now. Like I can feel, I can feel myself building it. <laughs> I can, I can practically hear it in New York. You, you can hear that. You can, you can see, you can see the bullshit tent I'm building. No, the, the reason why I like, <laughs> Sort of violently broke up with this friend because was because I didn't know how to do it well. I didn't know how to right. assert my needs and my boundaries. So I I created a really angry rift between us because then there was no going back. I'm not right. proud of that. And that was not that long ago. Like I, you know, we think that we're so we're so mature, but like we're actually like just bullshit people, you know, just walking around doing <laughs> our best. But it's true. And sometimes we do the totally, totally wrong thing. Yeah. And the opposite of what we had intended to do, you know, right. <laughs> like, and I know I hurt this person and I mean, I, our friendship hurt me quite a bit. And I know I hurt this person. We need to, what we need to do is we need to get an expert on a friend expert. Cause obviously neither of us is one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was selling my book, which I might as well just say is never being published because I returned my advance. I remember, eh, it's okay, it's better, it's better. But um, when I was selling the book, I was talking about how something happened in my life at a certain point that caused me to lose a lot of friends. And the editor I was talking to said, well, do you have enough friends to help promote the book? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, it's amazing when you get turned into like a brand and a commodity and like people are just like examining you, like they're examining you as like an asset and like, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. No, I know. But listen, I mean, well, I don't even know. That's the thing. I don't even know. I don't even know where to get to this. I will say I, for the first time in my life, I feel like the friends that I have now are really good. I think I'm really good to them for the most part. I think I show up in a way that I didn't used to show up because when you're uncomfortable mm -hmm. with yourself, like you run a lot. I was, I was a big runner, you know? So, yeah. so I feel like I've, I've gotten better at that. And also I feel like, again, going back to the beginning of this episode, and talking about intentionality, like it's been very important to me. I've put a lot of effort into my friendships and into making sure that I'm caretaking, you know, because, or, you know, keeping up with them because it's, it's important to me. And it, I don't know that it was always so important to me. And probably it wasn't important to me because I hated myself so much, but that's a whole nother episode. I think that it, it, it's more important to me now too, and it, it, it isn't about hating myself less. It's about having fewer concentric circles of friends, you know, and and really valuing the ones that have like made the journey with you. Wait, explain that. Explain the concentric circles thing. I'm like drawing circles. Like when, I, <laughs> when I was in my 20s and 30s, I had so many friends, like close friends, work friends, 
like going out to hear music friends. Right. Um, you know, the people who like I went to college with, like just many different circles of friends. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, like those, those people got a little picked off, you know, just, just middle age does that. You don't see people, people have kids, they become friendly with the people who they're raising their kids with. And it changes things. Right. And so the people who are left are, are, you know, the ones that I know I'm really on solid ground with. And, and, and then the other thing that has happened, which is cool, is that I have made new friendships. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Yes. I have made a couple of new friends as well. Um, and I've made a couple of new friends as well. And also realizing that I think my standards for a friend were so high at some points in my life, you know, mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. that now I understand that there, you have different people in your life for different things. Absolutely. Oh God. Absolutely. Right. Right. So like, you know, and also just being less judgmental and just generally just like, just a less of an asshole as you get older. But like, I, you know, I have certain friends in my life that I, I really love in certain contexts, like love, love, love. And the friendship has limitations and who cares? They don't have to yep. be everything, you know, they don't have to be everything. And the sooner, the sooner you realize that the happier you'll be. I mean, I have one close friend who cannot, again, with my depression, I know, but who can never understand when I get depressed. Yeah. What happened? She wants to know what happened. And I'm like, it, it's not a question of anything happening. You know, can't you just go outside? Can't you take a walk? And I just realized, like, this is a valuable friend. This friend is about as loyal as a pit bull. She's fucking loyal. Right. She's been good to me. We've been friends a long time. She can't see that one side of me. She doesn't know what to do with it. And I don't turn to her anymore. For that stuff. Right. 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 Exactly. And there's like, there's people I, that I won't, that are going to be irresponsible when I, if I want to talk to them about like my marriage, like I remember, I remember with a couple of years ago in my, in my marriage, I was, we were having like a little bit of a rough spot. And I remember I talked to two different friends about what was going on. And one of my friends was like, that is fucked up. And mm -hmm. my second friend was like, oh, that's so silly. That's so silly that, that he did that. And it was so such a different framing. And mm -hmm. like, I realized, okay, you know what? Th this, this information, first off, is so personal. I don't need to be talking to a lot of people about it. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go where it feels safe and where it's, it yep. it's constructive, you know? Yeah. Because people have agendas too. And you can still tell, that doesn't mean they're bad people. We all have agendas and we all have the places that we're weaker, right? And it's just, I guess it's also a tolerance. I have a, I have a bigger tolerance um, for other people's foibles, probably because I'm more tolerant with my own. Yep. I also have more patience with people. Yeah. yeah. And I have my bandwidth is greater, you know, to, to show up for them. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I don't think, you know, I think you get the friends you deserve in this life. And I have not always been the best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you me. know, I mean, if I'm, if I'm honest, if I'm honest, you know, it took me a long time to be the kind of friend who I want myself. Yes. 
Me too. It took me a long time to be the kind. Well, I didn't know what kind of friend I wanted, but also I was just like wary of people. Like, I don't know about you, but like there's, you know, anybody who really wanted to be my friend, I was like, really? (laughs) Well, I know because the last time I came to LA, you blew me off. And I'm like, I know Romolini loves me. I objectively know Romolini loves me, but like you could not get it together to our date. No, I couldn't. And I've since apologized, but no, I no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. And I'm not bringing no. it up in an angry way. I'm bringing it up at, at all, at all. I'm just saying, I know that that is a thing for you because I've witnessed it in my own life. Yeah, no. And I have, um, you know, I have a lot of social anxiety too, which I didn't realize until, until I really stopped drinking as heavily as I used to drink that I had social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Go figure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, with us, it was also a thing of like, I feel like for a long time, because you'd been my boss and because I admired you so much, I feel like there was also a thing of like, I felt like I had to show up in a specific way for you. And I felt like I needed to like be on and I wanted you to see me as like thriving. And in the moments where I felt like I couldn't do that, I didn't feel like I could see you. I get it. You know, I totally no, get it. I know. I totally it's, get it's it. It's stupid though. But I mean, but it's like, it's not that stupid, but it's, but, but that's, that, I guess that's just like also part of getting older. Like I don't feel that way anymore. If I couldn't show up to see somebody, I'd be like, I can't show up right now. You know what I mean? Like yep. instead of just blowing people off, I don't blow people off anymore. I say I'm honest and I say, I'm not up for this. I love you, but I'm not up for this. I'm just not mentally here you know, and that it's much, it's much better. It's much better because that sort of like leaving things open like that and leaving people hanging or ghosting. It's so painful for people. It's so much easier to just say it. Yep. I mean, I have a friendship that just ended abruptly about a year and a half ago, two years ago with a straight man who I had known for many, many years. And who just stopped returning my texts and emails Mm. and it it was painful and i it would drive me crazy like why did this happen does his girlfriend not like me does he feel sexual tension with me he's not discussing like what what is the thing that made it happen and i just like now i feel like fuck it you know that friendship that that wasn't a real friendship you know, or it wasn't a friendship that was going to stand the, stand the test of time. No, it wasn't a sustaining, it wasn't a sustaining friendship. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, cause it also gets into like, how many friends do you need? You know, like, like, I think you need very few, you need very you few. Need, I think you need very few. You need very few. You need your person who you check in with every day. I think, I mean, I have a person I check in with every day. Yeah. I don't, I don't have that kind of social need. I don't, I don't, it take. I don't have that kind of social need to check in every day. That would make me feel, that would make me feel overwhelmed having to check in. Okay. But you also, you also don't live alone. That's true. Okay. That's totally, that's totally a different thing. You're right. I do have my person who I check in with every day and he, luckily my husband and I are also very good friends. Yep. You are very lucky. I am lucky. I know that. Like I was talking to a woman over the weekend who was like, there's no such thing as a good marriage. Everybody's tired of who they're married to. I was like, wow. 
Oh, I got no. I mean, look, marriage is a fucking slog. It's a, it's a a horror show. But you know, I I was looking at my husband this morning, and I was like, I was thinking, like, this has been a really hard year. He's written he's written two books in quarantine, which is just like, you know, it's like grounds for divorce. Like, I really, like, <laughs> and he's not super present, you know, because he's really involved in these projects. I mean, he. And I get that. I get that creatively. And I, I understand where he's at and I miss him. But I was looking at him and I was thinking, if I saw him, like I was on a vacation or something and I saw him like across the room and there were, it wasn't like, you know, the complications of parenting and all of the, the too many pets that we got and, you know, mm-hmm. all work and everything. I thought, Oh my God, I would still, I would think he was cute. Like I would, I would really want to know him. And like, I feel that way about him and it's, God, we've been together for like almost, well, 16 years. You know, it's the, the sexiest thing in the world is being impressed by somebody. Yes. Yes. I really think the thing I said to this guy who I'm seeing Mm -hmm. is that I think the reason why it works is that we both think we're the one who got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really nice. That's really, that's, that's really nice. No, I mean, and it's also, it's sensibility. It's, it's, if you get lucky enough to be with somebody that you admire and who you have really good conversation with and who you can trust their opinion like, I feel like all of these things are really undervalued when we're thinking about a romantic partner. You know, they're the most important. Thing. They're the I most mean, important. I, I'm not going to name this person. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about his identity because the last time I, I, I um, identified someone I was in a relationship with, creepy stalker things happened. But I watched him work over the weekend and it was it was like the sexiest thing I'd ever seen to watch him do what he does and do it really well. And I mean, 20 years ago, would I have known that that was the thing that like got me off? Right. Not at all. No, I know. I know. You know, my husband and I, we were friends for four years before we started dating. Is that true? It's true. It's true. I met him at my first job in New York in 2000. And we were like, really, we were like, we were buds. We were like, you know, he was in a relationship and I was in a relationship. Like it was just, we were like friends. And because he was like so much younger than me and, you know, in a time when like a 23 year old man versus a 27 year old woman, like I was like, he was like a kid to me, you know, in some Mm -hmm. ways. And we were the kind of friends who like would get high and like do our laundry together in Brooklyn. You know, we'd go to the laundromat and all of those hours of no, we really knew each other, you know? Mm -hmm. So once we, once we got together, it I mean, it's weird that then all of a sudden the spark came and it was like, oh, this, this seems like the thing. Right. That friendship is really what we fall back on in like the worst times because we like each other. And I feel like people marry people they don't like. It's so stupid. It's so stupid to say it out loud, but it's, it's really true. How many weddings have you been like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yep. why are these people getting married uh, except to check a box? You know, they're married and they're, ba- they're marrying a collection of specs, you know? Yes. Yes. Often. Yes. 
Yes. No, I've talked to like my friends who also married create like fellow creatives. And it's like, yeah, it would have been so great if I could have fallen in love with a banker. That would have been like, yeah, like, you know, because you, you might sac- to, to marry someone you like, you might sacrifice a lot of other things, you know? <laughs> like, yep. No, it's absolutely true. And I, you know, I have dated very few men who had two nickels to rub together for just that reason. Yep. Yep. No, I know. I know it's true. And I'm glad I made those choices. I mean, I live the way I live, you know, I'm fine, but I'm glad I made those choices. I'm, I've, I've been with some really interesting people. Same, same. I'm trying to look at my life now, just generally, and look at all of the things I did, not as fuck ups, but as like this, you know, this, this comp, like I wanted to have an interesting life. And even though that is sometimes more painful, I did, I have so far. And I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what Leslie Arfin said about not peaking yet. And I feel like that's, you know, we talked about it a little in the episode, but I, I really have been, it stayed with me because I, I really do think there is an idea that you peak in all ways, you know, before 40. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm telling you, I am feeling more and more as I am letting go of the plane, as I am really like, oh, I'm just 48. Cool. I am. I'm really feeling like, oh my God, wait, I'm going to get to just be myself and keep living, hopefully for at least a couple more decades with like, you know, a body that's working and functioning. And I'm going to get to live in a much more genuine way, having had all of this experience to fuel the next things. Yep. Yep. The experiences help. The experiences are what it's all about. You know, every boyfriend I ever had got me in a position to like, accept love and give love the way I'm capable of doing now. Every imperfect relationship like got me closer to that. And there've been a lot of it. I mean, I'm a woman who was married very briefly. I've been single for most of my adult life. I've dated a lot of men and a lot of those things were mistakes, but they got me here. Like you're the, you're, you're you, all you are in some ways is a, is a collection of your flaws. And all you can hope for is to find somebody who like looks at you with your flaws and says, I fucking love you. Yep. That's exactly it. And then also you are doing the same to them. I yes. fucking love you. I accept these flaws. This isn't a deal breaker for me. I, ex- I mean, as long as people are coming to it with honesty and, and everything else like accepting those, accepting the person for who they are. And that requires a lot of self-acceptance too. And that you cannot get without experience. I mean, I guess there's some people come out of the gate. I don't know. They were perfectly parented in some weird like incubator. I have no fucking idea how anybody comes out of the gate. Like I feel great about myself. And in fact, I read the funniest tweet over the weekend that was something like, you know, the difference between Gen X and every other generation is that I was at least 18 years old before I received my first compliment. <laughs> totally, totally, <laughs> totally. What a different way of living. Um, no, but I'm just going to bring it back to Marina Abramovich Abramovic. Um, last thing <laughs> that she said, which was good things only come from pain. Yep. I mean, she was talking about art, but I think that it applies to kind of everything, to be honest. I mean, if you feel deeply at all, you're going to feel some pain. 
you know, if, but wait, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say there's no way to get around the pain and knowing that the pain can actually like, like I do feel like I am a better person in a relationship for all the fucked up relationships I had before this and all the mistakes I made. And I, yeah. And I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a better friend. I feel like I value friendship more and I feel really profoundly like I am a better professional than I was ever before, even Mm -hmm. though I don't, I don't throw myself at work. Like I used to, I'm not like a, you know, a battering ram anymore. I, I'm more self-protective, but I'm better because I, I, I take more time with things and I, I'm more thoughtful about what I want and what I have to offer. So, you know, anyway, another another episode where we discuss getting better after 40. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but I think but I think this was a, this was this was good. This was good. I found this to be an interesting conversation and I think we 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 wear our flaws like our, you know, like like you know, war medals. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like this show, uh, please rate and review and subscribe on all the platforms. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash everything is fine. You can follow the show's Instagram at EIF podcast. And you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.